Well, we are about a month into the book of Luke, and today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and that's the birth narrative. And so it may feel just a little weird that we're here in February and we're going to be talking about Christmas kind of stuff. And uh, maybe you just got done reading this passage at Christmas with your family, and if we were honest, we probably won't revisit it until next Christmas. And December 25th, the world acknowledges Christ's birth, but we know as Christ followers, it's bigger than just one day. This is God coming to earth, taking on flesh, and in Jesus, everything changes. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angels go before the shepherds and they say, we've come to bring you great, good news of great joy for all people. And we know that it's good news of great joy for all people then, today, and forever. And so today is going to be a little different of a service for fellowship. And we're going to invite you to experience the Christmas story in a new way, in a new and fresh way. And as we do so, keep in mind a couple things that God, the bigger story is God reconciling and redeeming the whole world to himself in Jesus. And we're going to look at the smaller stories of Mary and Joseph in the stable and what that meant for the bigger story. But before we do, will you guys stand and, and we'll pray to open up the service. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while he was there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. 
and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Can you imagine being Joseph in the birth narrative? And here he is, engaged to be married. Now, I don't know what it's like to be engaged, but I do know that it's a, it's a busy time with a lot of planning going on. And, and I don't know Joseph's particular situation, but I, I like to think that maybe he was um, going with Mary to the different temples, trying to pick out the perfect ceremony, the place to have the ceremony. Or maybe, uh, maybe they were going to different shops, picking out different finger foods, or trying to see what the perfect bride's cake or, or the groom's cake would look like. Or, or maybe they were talking about 50 different color shades of blue to put on the invitations that he was pretending to care about. But regardless, I know that this was the woman that he was going to marry. This was the love of his life. I mean, he was planning out their future together. They were throwing parties, they were saving the date, they were telling relatives, and then all of a sudden, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And just like that, everything changed. Wait, you're, you're what? Yeah, but, but we didn't. His faith is challenged. His plans are paused, and his doubts are high. It was in that moment that Joseph had, had to make a decision. I look around at the men in our society and, and wonder what kind of decisions we would make when, when plans just aren't going our way. I mean, in this situation, would we, would we just totally abandon all hope? Would we just run? Or maybe, or maybe we just put plans off for a long while until we can kind of wrap our head around it. Or maybe, would we, would we stiff-arm the one that we love? We find it so easy to take the more logical way out, the easy way out, to just abandon ship when things get rough or difficult or hard to understand. You see, it would have been easy for Joseph to, to just look at all that was going wrong around him. I mean, with not only just the unexpected pregnancy, but then also just... They had to journey to Bethlehem in this condition. And then there was no room in the inn. And this baby having to be born in a manger. Rather than to see God's planning in this story. To use it to reconcile himself to the world through his son. I tend to look at my own life and, and think about how so many times I, I just focus on my plans, my agenda my small story and fail to recognize God's bigger story with this life. I admire Joseph. I look up to Joseph. I mean, I want to be a Joseph and, and I need a Joseph in my life. In the midst of, of doubt and confusion, he chose to follow and to obey. I mean, when things weren't going right, when he didn't understand, when things weren't going as planned, he still chose to say, I'm not going anywhere. 
no matter how hard it gets, no matter what happens, I'm staying the course. Mary, sister of my heart, I only wish I could have known her. I can picture her, though, on her way to Bethlehem, being jolted along endless potholes for hours or maybe days on end, with a full-term child sitting on her bladder. I can only imagine how uncomfortable that must have been for her. Actually, I can't imagine it because I've been 40 weeks pregnant and I remember the speed bumps on the way to the hospital. I imagine that Mary must have prayed a lot in that journey. Maybe prayers like, God, thank you for choosing me, but this really hurts. I'm so thankful that you have a a room and a comfortable bed waiting for me when I get to Bethlehem. I wouldn't blame Mary if she had those expectations, would you? I mean, we all have expectations. And when you're on assignment from the Most High God, the creator of the universe, I mean, is a room in the inn so much to ask? Ah, Joseph, I've got this new kind of pain. It's like something is squeezing the daylights out of my belly. And so her contraction started. And so Mary, in a great deal of pain, on her way to Bethlehem, arrives in the little town. And I know her contractions had to have started on the way to Bethlehem because by the time they got there, Joseph was telling everybody, my wife's going to have a baby tonight. And the only way that a man knows that a woman is going to have a baby that night is if she's doubled over in pain saying, I'm going to have this baby tonight. Well, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a lot of pain, I don't have very good coping skills at managing dashed expectations. So picture this. There's Mary. She's trying to breathe through her contractions. She's struggling to talk, and Joseph approaches with the news. So what did you find out? Does he have a room? Did you tell him I'm in labor? Honey, he has to have something. Does he have something, anything? A what? No, honey, I couldn't possibly. I just need to lie down. Okay, okay, the stable's fine. The stable will be fine. And so Joseph picks her up carries her into the stable because certainly by that time she couldn't walk. And I wonder if just for a second that when Mary looked in the stable and the animals and if she thought, God, really? A stable? And I'm having my baby in a stable? I mean, certainly this couldn't be plan A, right? I mean, certainly there's some kind of mistake and the innkeeper is going to rush in here and say, no, 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 I made a mistake. We do have a room. Come with me. Or maybe she thought the whole thing was their 
fault. Like if, if Joseph had just called ahead of time and made a reservation, or if he had sent a messenger on horseback to make a reservation, or if maybe he had insisted that the Son of the Most High God needs a room to be born in, then they wouldn't be in this mess. Literally. Because a room in the inn was within their control, wasn't it? Or was it? My name is Heidi Petak. And a year and a half ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. We did some research and discovered that actually a whole lot of women in our family history have had breast cancer. And so because of that, they decided to do a a genetic mutation test on my mom. And she came up positive for something called BRCA2, which is a genetic mutation that carries with it an 87% chance of breast cancer and a 40% chance of ovarian cancer over your lifetime. Well, my mom had a double mastectomy, and praise God, she's, she's doing great, and she doesn't have any sign of cancer now. But since I'm her daughter, they said that there was a great likelihood that I probably had the mutation too. So my husband and I, Brian, we have four little boys and thought, you know, be wise to know that kind of information. So I went ahead and got tested. And you know, there wasn't any great fanfare when we found out the news. It was just a doctor walking into our little room and saying a little too enthusiastically, well, you've got it. And our hearts sank. You mean there's really, really no room in the inn? I mean, certainly this can't be plain A, Lord, right? I mean, certainly there's some mistake, and the doctor's going to run back in here and say, oh, no, we made a mistake. You really don't have it. Well, we went ahead and took the overwhelming advice of the medical community and scheduled a preventative double mastectomy for September 29th, 2010, just last fall. And I tell you what, I'm... I'm a really big wimp. I'm one of those extremely wimpy people who starts crying before the needle even hits my skin. So don't go thinking I'm brave or anything. (laughs) I knew it would take supernatural courage for me to walk in the doors of that hospital that morning. But thankfully, God had given us some friends. Chris and Cindy Crydell, they go here to fellowship. They're they become dear friends of ours, and Cindy's a breast cancer survivor, and a couple years before me, she had had the same surgery. And do you know that they were with us during all of those agonizing months of trying to figure out what to do, and Cindy was with me that morning at the hospital, and I can remember her reading scripture over me and praying over me, and she had on this pink bandana, and it's etched into my memory as she said, Heidi, you're going to make it. Right before the nurses wheeled me off. 
I'm thankful that God gives us friends to hang out with us in our stable. You know, I think of Mary. She had Joseph and she had the shepherds. And I bet you that God sent her some other friends to hang out with her in her stable to say, you're not alone. I'm thankful that I had my husband, Brian. And so many of you who showed me God's love and cared for me while I was recovering last fall. In a couple weeks, I'll have my second surgery, and I'm still in the stable. But I know I'm not alone. I really hoped that one day that maybe God would give me the opportunity to pay it forward, to walk with another woman the way that Cindy had walked with me. I had no idea how soon that would happen. Because six weeks after my surgery, My friend Vanessa Williamson, some of you know her, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And last month, I got to be with her in the same hospital, with the same surgeon, in the same waiting room. Only this time, I was the one on the other side. This time, I was the one praying over her. I had on a pink bandana, and I was saying, Vanessa, you're going to make it. And a couple weeks after my second surgery, she'll start chemo. And I plan to be with her in that stable too. You know, for some of us, it's some medical news like cancer or like a genetic mutation. That's our stable. For others of us, it's a hard relationship, maybe with your mom or your dad, one of your kids, or maybe a divorce, unemployment. For some people, the stable is a little more bleak than others. I have two friends here at Fellowship who had babies. Them. And I just have to ask, where is God in that stable? Is he there at all? Or like Bette Midler tried to tell us, is he just watching us from a distance? it was in Mary's stable in the midst of what must have been excruciating pain that Emmanuel was born and Emmanuel does not mean God from a distance Emmanuel means God with universe is good and 
that he is divinely in control of every moment of our lives, even the stable.